0: jesus is the answer for the world today jesus is the answer it's been our theme this entire service today and uh through our music through the scripture that's been read already um, he's our answer and i want to look at what the bible says here about jesus being our answer so if you have your bible second timothy chapter three verses one through seven would you stand with me and if you've been in our men's meeting I taught on this a couple of weeks ago, and if you were in my Sunday school class a week ago, we taught on this passage, and today I'm going to preach on this passage, but none of it's the same like what we talked about then, so don't tune out uh, on me here. Don't tune me out as we look at this here. Jesus is the answer for our world. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7, but mark this, note it, make a note of this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Some versions say there will be perilous times. Some say stressful times. In other words, there will be difficult times in the days right before Jesus' return. And the Bible says this, people will be lovers of themselves. They will be abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, ungrateful let me just stop here ungrateful i don't know if you've watched this if you've seen this most of the news outlets aren't report reporting on this um some are and you really have to be a news junkie to really find it it's sad but there's a part of an american city that's been taken over by anarchists today in seattle this past week a group and they've named their new town they have they have taken over a section of downtown Seattle, and they've called it Chaz, um, Capitol Hill something something, okay? Uh, Don't remember the last two parts of it. Uh, Capitol Hill something zone. They called it Chaz. These are anarchists. The first thing they did was set up a barrier, walls. Imagine that. The people who are against walls for a nation, when they create their own zone, they set up walls. And they've set out a list of demands that they have for, I'm not sure for what, I mean, are they going to give up their, what they call their sovereign territory now? And they've made their own rules and their own laws, and it's a lot of younger people and I could think of nothing else but the word ungrateful to me that comes across when I think of what they're doing over there. Ungrateful for everything that they have here in this country, and yet they want to take over an area. And I'm telling you, listen to me, when I say this, I saw this with my own eyes yesterday. There was a preacher of the gospel on the street in the autonomous zone of Chaz, preaching the gospel, you know what they did to him? They physically assaulted him. They grabbed him, and they sexually assaulted him. They made another man kiss him on the mouth. And then they knocked him unconscious and drug him out of town. In the last days, the Bible says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. We're living in a day that we we have cancel culture. If you've done anything in your past and somebody doesn't like you and they can find it, and it goes against the narrative of what's going on today, they will ruin you if they can. Aren't you grateful that God forgives you for something you've done in your past? And unholy, it says, Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good,, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The mayor of Seattle, rather than having a backbone for law and order, what they've done, what she's done is she has said that it's going to be a summer of love in the city of Chaz. Tell that to the preacher who got. His head knocked in yesterday. And it says here, having a form of godliness but denying its power. The Bible says, have nothing to do with such people. They're the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So let's pray father thank you for your word father I feel like today you've given me a prophetic message to be a prophetic voice in the midst of the carnage of what's going on in our world but also to be a calming voice a voice proclaiming the truth of Scripture help us to see what our world what our personal lives would be without Christ and in so doing we can see the opposite of what it is with Christ. And I prayed in His name. Amen. And you may be seated. Four things I want you to see about Jesus being the answer. So I'm going to kind of take a different approach. Rather than give you, okay, Jesus is the answer, and here are the positive things, which is more the direction and the style of preaching I like to go in. I'm going to go from the negative side. And by doing that, we'll see what life is like without Christ, and so it'll shed light on what our life is with Christ, okay? So here's the first point that I want you to see about Jesus and the answer. So here's some biblical truths that I want you to notice. Number one, we live in a violent and godless world. We know that Jesus is the answer, and we need him as the answer. But we need to come to the realization that we live in a violent and godless world. And the Bible says that it will continue to get worse until Christ comes back. There are segments of our society, segments of the world that we live in, that will continue to get worse. Don't forget for anything now, I know they're not on the front page anymore, but you still have a group of people that calls calls themselves ISIS. I heard one comedian say recently that he wouldn't call them ISIS. He would call them is is. And he said, unleash the United States military on them, and we would call them was was." <laughs> and I kind of get a kick out, out of that. But don't forget that you have a group of people in the Middle East who not long ago were cutting people's heads off, who were raping women who are pillaging villages. Don't think for a moment that those people don't exist. They do. There are people in other countries who are killing little boys and little girls who are walking to Christian school in the morning. Pastors all around the world are being slaughtered right now in parts of Africa. We live in a violent and godless world. The Bible says here in Matthew 24, I want you to see this, and this is kind of a long passage, but, but bear with me here, and notice what the Word of God says. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14. The Bible says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. I just watched a, um, a documentary this week on the life of David Koresh. Y'all remember him back in the early 90s? The... Um, I forget the name now that they call themselves the Davidian Branch Davidians in Waco and they had this compound and you know it it was horrible what happened what happened to them and how it ended and how a bunch of them died and you know in a fire and a lot of people believe you know believe the government was wrong and how they did it, and how they handled it and all of that but David Koresh was a very violent man and he claimed to be the Messiah the Bible says that many will come Claiming to be the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. See, that's the point I want you to, to get here. We don't need to be alarmed by what we're seeing. I mean, it might cause us to have some anxiety, but don't let it freak you out. Such things must happen. But the end is still... To Come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places and all these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Here's what blows my mind about some people. We need to be careful folks. People see all these signs and all these things happening and they think that they can predict when Jesus is going to come back and they think that it's going to happen today or tomorrow and it could, but the Bible says when you see all these things happening, just remember it's the beginning of the birth pains. It's the beginning of the end. So keep that in mind. Yes, he could return at any moment, but this could go on for another 100 or 200 years. It's the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Do we see that happening? People hating each other? What would would cause somebody to want to go and occupy a highway and start smashing the windows of vehicles of people on their way to work or on their way to the doctor people they don't even know and even trying to beat those people in those vehicles what can cause someone to do that i'll tell you what it is it's hate real hate what can cause somebody to look at a person on the outside and say, well, that person is of that ethnicity. That person is Jewish, like Hitler did. And we must destroy and murder all the Jews because they are subhuman. What can cause something like that to happen? Hate. What can cause people to look at a person of a darker skin color and say that, that, that you know, back in the 1800s that they were not fully human and enslaved them? What would cause somebody to do that? I'll tell you what it is. It's from the pit of hell, and it's hate. What would cause somebody today to hurt their neighbor or to want to destroy somebody in their city for whatever reason? Hate. That's what the Bible says. They will hate each other. They will betray and hate each other. That's what the world is going to be like in the last days. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Don't you feel like we live in a world where people have lost their minds? And where is the love for humanity? but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this is the gospel of the kingdom will be preached, or this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, Matthew 24 is a prophetic passage of Scripture, and there's a lot of disagreement as to when some of this is going to happen and at what point and so forth and so on. I'm just giving you the Word of God, and, and, and I see it very simply that these are these are the signs these are the things that will be happening and so the bible tells us in matthew 24 and what we read in second timothy chapter 3 that we will live in violent times and in a godless world that's a biblical truth number two second thing i want you to see is this without christ the stress of the times will be too much to overcome Without Christ, the stress of the times will be too much to overcome. Now, we read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, there will be terrible times, stressful times, perilous times that will come in the last days. Let me ask you this. In some of what's been going on, let's just start with COVID-19. Did you get stressed out at all during some of this COVID-19 stuff? Man, I did. Woo, I did. Did you get angry during some of this time? Woo, I got angry about some of the things that were happening. Were you confused at times about what was going on or what was real, what was true, what was not? Yep. Caused a lot of stress for us, Right. Look, I don't know how else to say it. I'm going to just say it as simply as I, as I can right now. Whether you agree with this or not, this is a fact. There are people in the African-American community, not all but some, who, are un, who feel very stressed out today because of what's been going on. There are a lot... In the law enforcement community, who feel very stressed out today because of what's going on. There are a lot of us who love our fellow man, love our law enforcement officers, love our first responders. We're stressed out for everybody. We're all stressed out, right? At times because of what's going on but here's the difference you see the one who is not a Christian they have no foundation to base their life on this world is all they have they can't see beyond this world they don't have peace You have people today that are taking their lives. Suicide rate is going through the roof. Those of us with Christ, we experience stress. We just admitted that. All of us. We've gone through some, some stressful times and very difficult circumstances, and we too experience stress. But the one thing that we have, those of us who are Christians, is that we have someone that we can turn to. We have someone that we can cast all of our care upon. We have the great physician. We have the prince of peace. We have the one who guards our hearts and protects us through all of these difficult times. We have The lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. We have the great and morning star. We have the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. We have the one that loves us and that will never forsake us. We have Christ, and no matter how difficult and how stressful it may become, we have someone that we can turn all of our problems to, and he will heal our hearts and help us through it all. But there are a lot of people who don't have that. That's why it's our mission to bring the remedy to them. The remedy is Jesus. That's why our co-workers, we should care so much about them that we should pray for them and that we should want them to know what we know. And I, and I understand there are a lot of closed-minded people. I'm not saying take your Bible to work and start beating them over the head. They're not going to listen to you. And not but but I do believe that we need to take the time to develop relationships with people and care for people and and As God opens those doors up, we can be sensitive to where they are. And then all of a sudden, we can bring truth to their chaos in the person of Jesus Christ. And they will turn to him. That's how a lot of us became Christians, because somebody cared enough for us. Look at what Matthew 24, 13 says. I read it earlier, but just this one verse. I want you to see it again. It says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see those of us who have Christ, we can stand firm. We can stand and we can stand firm and strong. We understand. We don't like the evil that's going on. We don't like the god godlessness that's happening in our in our world and in our country. We don't like all of those and and there there are civic things we can do. Um, there are societal things we can do there are a lot of good things we can do no doubt about it but the greatest thing that we can do to help our world is to show them what jesus can do in our lives when we too are encountering stress we're not immune to bad things happening to us as Christians. There's no guarantee. Look at at Job in the Bible and how God allowed him to be tested and all the pain that he went through. But Job never turned. He never cursed God. His wife basically said, Job, I mean, I can't stand what you're going through. Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job refused to do it. He stayed faithful. See, people without Christ, it'll be too much for them to overcome. So, well, preacher, why, why are you telling us that? We Most of us you are saved. Well, because I want to remind you to make sure that Christ is in the center of your world. That he's just not over here and you you... you take him out of the closet on Sunday and you put him on and bring him to church and then you put him back in the closet and you stay over there Jesus you know you don't have nothing to do with my life throughout the week you know but on Sunday I'll pick you up and put you on I'll even take you to church with me that's not it we have Christ he's at the center of our family he's at the center of our decision making he's at the center of of our emotional state he's at the center of our intellectual thinking and, and, and how we live our lives and how we view people. We view them the way Christ sees them. So without Christ, the stress of the times will be too much to overcome. A third biblical truth is this. Without Christ, many, many will fall for lies and disregard truth. Many will fall for lies and disregard truth. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is all in the Bible. The Word of God says it. Without Christ, many will fall for lies and disregard truth. Let's look at several passages of Scripture, and then I'm going to expound on it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. What the Bible says here. It says that in the last days people will always be learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Has there ever been a time in human history where we've had, where uh, uh, there's never been a time where we've had so many people so educated, so educated, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth? Isn't it amazing that on university campuses, you see, university campuses should be places where all ideas are Accepted in in the in the sense that that there's a platform to to for all ideas to come out, but there's great censor, censorship in American universities today because they, there's only one thought that can be proclaimed there. It's a humanistic thought, and notice the chaos that's on a lot of these campuses. You would think that people that are so highly educated and being educated would have some self-control. But the Bible teaches us that education is not going to get you there. Because if you have education without the truth, you don't have anything at all. So people will fall for lives. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5. through What the Bible says here. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of, this, of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. So, so Paul is giving this charge to Timothy. He's just telling her, I'm just letting you know, Timothy. You know, we're all going to have to stand before Christ. Here's the charge I give you. Preach the word. Be prepared. In season and out of season when you feel like it and when you don't be faithful to God's Word look at what he says here correct Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction For the time will come when people will not put up With sound doctrine with good teaching with biblical truth instead to suit their own desires Y'all, I, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet, I'm a pastor, but I will say we are this this prophecy that was proclaimed in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is happening today. Amen. It's happening today. So many people want entertainment, but they don't want holiness. They want to be told how good they are, not the truth of what they need to hear. Now notice, he says, rebuke, correct, and encourage. It's not all rebuking and it's not all correction, but it's encouragement, it's discipleship, it's building up, it's lifting up, but it's all of those together. So without Christ, many will fall for lies and disregard the truth. They will turn away from the truth. They'll have itching ears. They will, they will get their teachers that want that will say what they want to hear instead of challenge what they believe. Look at what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 8 says. Now I want you to follow me on this, okay? You say, how does this apply? It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual morality. Now I'm bringing this up because for two reasons. The first is this. The lie of Satan is... It's your body, you do what you want with it. Yeah, you don't have to listen to what that preacher says because you can go and you can do what you want and you can commit sexual morality and it's all okay because God will forgive you. You see, that's Gnosticism, basically. Gnosticism says that the body's evil and the spirit is the only thing that's good so it doesn't matter what you do with the body and, and, and that you can, you can do whatever you want with the body. But not for Christians. And look at what the Bible says here. It is God's will. That you should be sanctified, set apart, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. So that's the second reason that I brought this up in this passage of Scripture. The instruction that God gives us. You see, listen, there are a lot of things in Scripture that go against our fleshly desires. And for some, at a certain age, Sexual sin is is more of an issue than unforgiveness in their heart. And so God gives us the instruction about what to do and what not to do with our bodies and how we're to use our bodies for His glory. And for some of us later in life, it's the internal things that other people can't see. On the outside, we look good. We go to church. We teach a Sunday school class. We preach a sermon. We sing a song. We do whatever we got to do. And we look good, and we look holy on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. And we've got to be careful that we don't believe the lies of Satan, that it's okay to harbor unforgiveness in your heart because somebody harmed you. Because, you know, really, you, you're the only person on the face of the earth that's ever been harmed like this. Preacher, if you would just know how bad I've been hurt, you would understand that it would be all right for me to be bitter. No, it's not all right. See, it's a lie of Satan. And when you and I take God's word and we say it doesn't apply to us, we disregard the truth and we fight against God, the one who gave us that command to start with. So without Christ, many will fall for lies and disregard the truth in the world that we're living in today. And y'all, church, we don't have that option as Christians We don't have that option (laughs) growing up what did your grandma or your mama teach you about eating what are some of the things that they said to you what are the things that they told you you needed to eat why did they have to tell you to eat certain things because that didn't taste good to you, right? And they said, eat greens. You need to eat more of your greens. Well, no, I'm eating the meat. That looks good. There's some sauce there. I like that sauce. Uh, well, you need to eat your collard greens, or you need to eat your cucumbers, or you need to eat that lettuce, or you need to eat your broccoli, which I hate broccoli, but anyway. Cooked broccoli. I like raw bro- bro- broccoli and chopped up fine. I don't want to eat the tree trunk of the broccoli. Give me the, the little green stuff. Don't cook it. If you're cooking it and you live five miles away from my house and I smell it, I'm leaving the state. Oh. But why they tell you to eat the greens? Because it was good for you. And there were things that you, that you need to do for your body because it's good for you even though you don't want to. I'll be honest with you. I hate to sleep. You say, what? I wish I could just be awake all the time. I'm like a shark. I just want to be awake. Now, when I do fall, I fall hard. But you need to sleep. Because it's good for you. Well, we need the truth. Because it's good for us. We need to hear the truth. We need to live the truth. We need to honor the truth. But without Christ, many will fall for lies. And when you fall for a lie, it affects your behavior and everything you believe. And we don't have that option as Christians. When we became Christians, we said, Lord, I'm giving my life to you, I'm trusting you, your word will be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word that I've hidden within my heart that I might not sin against you, your word is truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. (laughs) Please don't misunderstand me when I say this. I'm not saying don't come ask me a question, but... Oh, sometimes when people say, Pastor, is this a sin? And I evaluate it based on if it's a baby Christian asking me that. I have a lot, a lot of patience for a question like that. I really do. But when it's somebody that's been a Christian for a long time and they say, Pastor, is this a sin? You're missing the point. You're missing the point. You're trying to find out how close to the edge you can walk without falling off the cliff when you ask a question like that. My answer to you is, you ought to know if it's a sin or not. You ought to know what God's Word teaches. Your heart should be not that, not that you know. well, I, I, I'm going to mark this off and mark that off. I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Your heart should be, I want to obey you, God. Is there something in my life that's not right? Reveal it to me. I want to make it right. I want to live for you. I want to live right. I don't want to just see how close I can get and see how far I can push the envelope without it being a sin. But without Christ, many will fall for lies and just disregard the truth. And they will heap up teachers for themselves. That's why... Okay. Okay, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) That's why there are churches in some places in America. not, Not all churches that are full or wrong please don't misunderstand what i'm saying but there are some churches that have thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands that go because their ears are being tickled by someone that's not a true pastor or a true shepherd he's a hireling of the devil to mislead them and to teach them just positive stuff and never to challenge them with the word of god there are some preachers you hear one message you've heard them all And people will fall for lies and disregard truth. And there are a couple of them I'm thinking of right now in my mind. I'm not going to mention them. It's not not right for me to do that right now. Now, if you ask me privately after, I'll tell you who I'm talking about if you want to know. But this particular pastor was asked on a national news program about certain biblical positions. He danced and danced and danced all around it. And I was just like, brother, you just you just danced all around it, and you've probably made everybody on both sides of the issue upset with you. Well, why don't you just come out and say the truth? But don't do not let them pigeonhole you. Yeah. See, what I would say is, what do you because the question was, what do you think about same sex marriage? And he him hawed around and danced all over the field and never, never gave quite. I was just watching that and I was just like confused. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what, what? And you say, well, how would you answer it, Pastor? I would answer it just like this. First of all, I know it's a gotcha question, sir. That's what I would say to the reporter. I know you're asking a gotcha question. So I'm only going to answer it if you let me give the full answer. Will you let me give the full answer? Yes, I'll let you give the full answer. Okay, here's here's the answer. The answer is, God made us male and female. There's not 400 genders, there's two. Male and female. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Okay? And marriage is honorable among all. One man and one woman to make a union. My position is a biblical position. It's the historic Christian position. We love all people, but we know that people who marry the same sex will never fulfill the will of God in their life. We don't judge those people thinking that they're, that, they, that they're awful people, but according to Scripture, they're not right, they're not living right. I stand on the Word of God, and if that's offensive, then I'm sorry, but that's where I stand. Well, what what about your child, if your child comes home? If my child comes home and says that they want to marry someone of the same sex, I'm going to tell them exactly what I just said to you. And I said, I love you, I'll always love you, I'll always be your dad, but this is an abomination before God, and it's sin before God, and it's wrong. And I would say the same thing if you were living with somebody that you weren't married to of the opposite sex. I would tell you it's the same thing. It's an abomination before God, it's wrong, and it's not right. At some point, we as Christians shouldn't be afraid of the truth. We can't be worried about whether people like us or not. We have to worry, not worry, but we have to be focused on the fact that we will stand before our living God, Jesus Christ, and have to give an account for whether or not we were ashamed of him or not and his way. we have a God yes he forgives yes he changes yes he loves one final thing a biblical truth here that I want you you to see without Christ I, I mean we all know this but it needs to be said here without Christ people are doomed for eternity listen good People don't go to heaven. Only saved people go to heaven. The Bible says that our righteousness as human beings are as filthy rags before God. If you violated the law in one portion, one place, you're guilty of it all. A wrong thought and a lie put Jesus on the cross just like murder put him on the cross. Yes, there are different societal consequences, but eternal consequences are the same. And either Jesus is the only way or he's not the way. Because he said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me so what he said without Christ people are doomed for eternity and we have to look at it that way I'm telling you something folks I I look at people man are they saved or not they might be good neighbors and good people here on this earth but it's not good enough I'm not good enough on my own to get to heaven I needed a savior Look at what 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 5 through 10 says. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Just think about this now. It's not for you to avenge. It's God, right? right? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. It's not your place. And he goes, give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen. Not maybe, but it will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Leave that scripture up. The one I just read. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. To obey the gospel is to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way. Hmm. Okay, next verse, guys. Thank you. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. So notice, go back verse 9 again, I'm sorry, it's my fault. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. So there, so there it is. You know, some people think that there is no such thing as everlasting hell and everlasting punishment. That you just will go to sleep and never wake up if you're not a Christian. Well, that's not what this says. The Bible says will be punished with everlasting destruction and this is also part of hell. Shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Whew. You know what's keeping this world from blowing up? You know what? The presence of God through Christians. That's what the Bible teaches. The Holy Spirit is the restrainer and If the Holy Spirit is taken out, there is no more restraint for evil, and evil will go crazy on the face of the earth. And on this earth, we get to experience the presence of God at different times in our life. I woke up early this morning, went to sit on my back deck, couldn't believe it was the middle of June. Now I know it's warm and it's humid out there, but the last two mornings it was very nice in the low 60s and I and, man, I had my cup of coffee and I was just sitting there in my zero gravity chair and I experienced the presence of God. Looking this way on my deck, see now on the deck I can, I can, see, the, I can see the grounds, I can see the facilities and thinking about the people that are gonna walk in these facilities today, this morning. And I felt the presence of the Lord. That won't be there at some point. All right, next verse, guys. And on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, this includes you because you believed our testimony to you. So there's coming a day that those who did not obey the gospel will pay i hear people say this and it it really scares me for them i hear men say this sometimes and i've talked to men on their deathbed and asked them hey man where do you stand with god me and god are are good okay where do you stand with jesus when i cross over into the other side we're going to have a talk me and him I'm like, man, you got it wrong. You see, you think when you cross over to the other side that you will be in control and that, and that you'll be able to um, uh, manipulate the conversation. But, buddy, let me tell you something. It doesn't work that way with God. You're not in charge anymore. When we cross over on the other side, there is no No, reasoning with God. God says, today let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Or they red as crimson, they shall be white as snow, the Bible says. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for reasoning. But there's coming a day where it's just judgment. You're not going to negotiate a peace with God at that point. We have to see people the way the Bible sees them. God looks at people as sheep without a shepherd, and that's why we're here. That's why angels don't go preach the gospel. We preach the gospel because we've been redeemed. We've been saved. We've been changed. We know what it's like, and we want others to have what we have. People are dead in their trespasses and sins. You know what the difference between, is between a drug-addicted, wasted, drunk on the side of the road that's about dead? You know what the difference is between him and a businessman, Fortune 500 CEO company in a suit, looks perfect, no lint on him. I mean, he's got the perfect hair, perfect nose, perfect face, perfect ears. He's got everything going for him. He's tall, and and he's got money, and he's got everything that the American dream can provide for him. But he doesn't know Christ. And that drunk on the side of the road and that guy on the side of the road, he doesn't know Christ. But you know what the difference between those two guys are? I'll tell you what the difference is. The only difference is the outward decay. That's the only difference. One on the outside looks good, and the other the outside looks bad. But both of them on the inside without Christ are dead men without Jesus. And that's why people need Christ. It doesn't matter how good you might look on the outside or how good things look or how well you're doing for your life. Without Christ, you're doomed. You've got to have him. And I don't mean this, I don't know, I shouldn't even say it. I was going to say, he's your ticket, but he's not a ticket. He's not just some ticket you stamp. He's your life, the Bible says. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him in glory. He's my life of you have a hummingbird feeder at your house raise your hand okay put your hands down how many of you have hummingbirds right now at your feeders I don't know how long this has been going on at least 10 years maybe longer I don't know how long hummingbirds live I haven't I haven't looked at that I'm going I'm going to look that up because I'm starting to wonder but we have a hummingbird feeder right by our window, right by my chair that I sit on, I mean, just right there, just a few feet from the window in our backyard. And every year, the same two come back, male and female. And they nest in the same place. Now, don't be going messing mess with my hummingbirds. i tell you it's our secret they nest in the big oak tree right behind my office right in between the fellowship hall and the um and the and the building right there that big oak tree that's where they nest they're getting so used to us that man they'll buzz the tower a lot you ever been around a hummingbird when it gets real close to you, what it sounds like, those wings flapping? It sounds just like a wasp or something. Like a turboprop plane, man, just right there. And a couple of days ago, he was, we had a face-off, he and I. He was about right here. Just flying in place, just looking at me, And I was looking at him thinking, your nose is bigger than mine. And I didn't move, I was just watching him. And I watch these hummingbirds, and I marvel at the delicate but yet powerful nature of those little bitty birds. My favorite is when they land. They actually put their, what do you call them, feet, claws, whatever. They put those little things on the little perch. They're going in and getting that sugar water in there. And I look at them and I watch them. And then I'll look them up on my phone or something and just to get a closer look at them and to see the beauty of them and read about them and what they do and what they're all about. And I see the glory of God in the little hummingbird. That hummingbird by nature is worshiping God by living its life by being a hummingbird and by nature now that we're saved we can't help but live our lives for him just like that hummingbird was is programmed to do everything it does and to be that beautiful creature God created what we were created for in Christ to be not hummingbirds but to be everything God created us to be because he is our very life so without Christ we're doomed but with him with him we have peace we have forgiveness we have grace we've been given mercy we've been given a heart for people We think differently. We have a different world view. We have a hope. We have a future. We have something to look forward to. I end with this. My cousin passed away this week. He'd moved to Florida recently. I visited with him in the hospital a while back. Somebody who works at the hospital called me and said, Corey, there's a man. His last name is Jeremy. He's here at Chans. And, and when I saw his last name, I asked him if he knew you, and he said that he was your cousin. I said, yeah, I hadn't seen him in 40-something years. I said, give me his room number. I'll come see him. So I went, and we talked. He passed away this week. His funeral was yesterday. And when I was a kid, you know, he was a grown man. And he was a swamp guy. The house he grew up in didn't have running water, didn't have electricity. Actually, a house on stilts in the marsh of Louisiana. He didn't wear shoes hardly anywhere when I when I knew him growing up as a kid and seeing him, and he scared me some those big old feet that he had. But every week he was coming, he would come home, come come see my mom and dad, and he would have something dead in his vehicle. Muskrat. Nutria. Nutria is a rat about as big as this pulpit that lives in South Louisiana. An otter, ducks, fish, all kinds of stuff. He was like, to me as a kid, like, oh my gosh, this is like a man. This is what, golly, look at, I mean, this dude was like, you know, so the last vision I had of him was that man. And then when I went to see him in the hospital, he was a little man, very sick, emaciated. One thing I recognized about him was those hands he had, claws for hands. And now he died. The point I'm making is this. That man that looked to be invincible to me was just a man. And his time came. Your time and my time will come. I hope Jesus is the answer for you. Because one day, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you can be like the candy. I don't even know if they still make this candy anymore. You remember this candy? It was not good for your teeth. It was called now or later. Remember that candy? They still make it. I think they make it out of plastic. But now or later. We used to love the banana. You can bow the knee to Jesus now and give your life to Him and live for Him and have an eternity with Him in heaven. Or you can bow the knee to Him later and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and by acknowledging that you would worship Him and then be cast into the lake of fire forever. I chose years ago to bow my knee and my heart to Jesus now. And all the things that I thought I would miss out on by becoming a Christian, I realized were empty. Jesus became my answer when I was 17 years old, almost 18, and he's still my answer today. church, we got to care about people who don't have Christ because without Him, there is no hope for them. And number two, if you've truly never given your heart to Christ and your life hasn't changed, I implore you to bow the knee now. Would you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, that your word has the answers. I thank you that we're not in this world alone. You know what's going on, and you have shown us through your word. Thank you that all those years ago, you had the answer for the ills of mankind. Thank you for sending your son. And thank you for transforming our lives through him. May others who do not know you come to the same place that many of us in this building have come to, where they will find peace and forgiveness and joy and life transformation like never before. Put a passion in our hearts as your people to love on our neighbors to reach out with the gospel to be an example to them and i pray it in jesus name amen let the lord lead you i'll be here if you need to make a public decision this altar is open for you to come and pray and to let god speak to your heart however he has led you okay